The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Joining me now to talk a little bit about that process, the art of songwriting is one of Ireland's greatest ever in that particular department. Phil Coulter, Phil, you're very welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much, Kieran. Nice to be here. Uh, I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine. Um, it, it was kind of incredible, as I said, listening to that. And lots of people uh, were huge fans of Get Back, the Beatles documentary I mentioned as well. Um, and we got an insight into like the, the, the art of songwriting. I mean, as somebody who is something of an artist in that department, what did you make of what you were listening to? Well, for me, it's a, it's a craft rather than an art. It's a craft that you learn. There's no such thing as a born songwriter in my book. You're born with maybe a good ear flair for music and and maybe a way with words, but then you have to learn the craft. Just as for for many years, Elton, who, by the way, writes in a different way than I would write because he collaborates with Bernie Taupin. So what he was talking about just now was a lyric that had come from Bernie Taupin. And then Elton was setting it, setting it to music, putting a tune. Um, but there is a there is a process. It's a craft which you have to learn. I mean, I spent three years in Tin Pan Alley in Denmark Street in London in the 60s, learning that craft. Um, so, for example, uh, with my then partner, Bill Martin, every second Friday, we went into the little studio in the basement, little demo studio, and had to demo, make demo st- tapes of six new songs, words, music, a little arrangement for the in-house band. Then the following Monday, played them to our publisher, who was an old time, a veteran publisher who had published many, many hits. He would go through the songs and tell us where we were going wrong, uh, how to structure the song. And as often as not, he would throw them in the bin because <laughs> we were learning the craft. You know, um, people, novel songwriters tend to fall in love with everything that they write, but there is there is a craft that you have to learn in structuring a song. And, and much like learning a craft, I mean, compared to wood turning or something, is it about getting the fundamentals down and then on that you build your own particular style? Is that it? Yeah, there is. You know, there's a structure. There's a structure which, uh, I mean, typically, for example, there'd be like a four bar intro. There'd be a verse that is building them toward your chorus. Uh, and then when you hit the chorus, it's what we call the hook. That's the payoff. You know, um, if I go back, if I go back years and years to, well, let me go back as far as I can, 1967, when I won the Eurovision Song Contest, right? So um, the, the intro, I went pop, 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 cheap, pop, cheap, pop, cheap, pop. The song is called Pop It On A String, mm. and I'm setting up, I'm setting up a kind of a fairground sort of a sound with that intro before the song starts. Then I have a, I wonder if one, a long note to start that off, which is a Eurovision trick. Then you build through through eight or 12 bars of a verse, then you hit the chorus. That's, you know, it's a kind of structure that you work towards. And whether it's Elton John or Paul McCartney or anybody else, there's a structure involved. I, I, what I kind of find fascinating there is, right, and Puppet on a String, obviously then the, the words, nice short, sharp words as well that that uh, that, that tie in with that, bup, 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 as you mentioned. Uh, yeah. and, and, and compared to... Elton John there and his reference to the word ballerina and he says when you know when you see the word ballerina you know it cannot be too quick the song has to be that little bit slower that the words I suppose reflecting the tone of the song I find that interesting 100% there is a language of songwriting 
There are certain words that just don't fit in a song. There's a language of songwriting and your ear will tell you that you're trying to shoehorn a word into a phrase of music. That's not just not going to not going to happen. It's not going to it's not going to sit comfortably. It's not going to sing. If it doesn't sing, um, it, you, you, you should bin it right away. The other thing to bear in mind as a songwriter is this is another sign of novel songwriters when they twist the 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 emphasis on a word, for example, say a word like tomorrow. Right. Mm. That's that's a, tomorrow. You should never put tomorrow in a, in, the, in the phrase of a song or tomorrow. Tomorrow is the way it the way it's, it, it, you speak it. That's the way you should also sing it. Though there, there are just basic rules, and that is what I say: the language of songwriting, the structure, the process. And how much ha- have you seen that change in terms of what is popular today? Because if you listen to the top fifty or 20 or 30 songs played in any given week, say on Spotify or whatever platform people use. An awful lot of the ones that are popular are popular because they're part of a TikTok trend at the moment. And I guess they, they kind of have to hook people in very quickly with something catchy uh, that, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that was a formula as well for an awful lot of songs. It wasn't like there was big, long, melodious intros to everything written before TikTok. But there's more of an imperative for that now, isn't there? Yeah, because the attention span back in the day, you mean you had to build up towards your towards your hook, as I mentioned earlier, towards your chorus, your payoff line. Uh, now, because of the TikTok thing, all of that process seems to be undermined. That's all turned on its head. You no longer have the intro. You no longer have the verse to build up to your hook. The hook happens right away. And, and that's that's a reflection on the whole TikTok mentality. It's like, you know, it's like instant gratification. But the, the you know, the, the, the verdict on all of that TikTok stuff is, uh, if you would ask me for a simple definition of, of a song of substance, a song, like a good song, I would say, if you want a simple definition, longevity. In other words, if a song has been around for 40, 50 years, it's a good song. You know, it's a song that has good legs. I cannot see too many of the TikTok songs being around in another 50 years. What's interesting as well, Phil, when I look at kind of your musical canon and and everything you've produced is most people in any given industry have a niche. But I'm not sure is that fair to say of you. I mean, there's huge variety between, you know, the town I love so well to... to Ireland's Call to Congratulations, of course. Yeah, no, I... I, But because... Because I'm a professional songwriter, you know, and again, I go back to learning my trade in Tin Pan Alley. Um, and when you, the, the, you were you had to you had to have a flexibility to move between styles and between genres. Nothing is forever. You know, had I, for example, been my in a period with the Eurovision Song Contest, I won it in 1967. I came second in 1968. I won it again in 1970 with all kinds of everything. And I came fourth um, four or five years later. So then I kind of had a good handle on Eurovision. Mm. No, Kieran, if I had said, right, Phil, this is your 40. This is what you know about. You're a Eurovision songwriter. I would have been dead in the water very shortly afterward because nothing stays the same. Equally, when I was having the hits with the teeny bopper stuff, with the Bay City Rollers, who were like the biggest teeny bopper act in the world, with the, with Kenny, with Slick, I had a stable of those teeny bopper bands um, and million selling records around the world. If I had said to myself, right, Phil, this is your specialty, then again, I would have, I would have pigeonholed myself. I'd boxed myself in. Again, the only way I kept kept uh, sanity apart from anything else is I could spend a week in or, or, or two or three weeks in the studio in January with the Bay City Rollers and getting a lot of uh, teeny bopper hits. The following month, 
I'd be in the same studio with Luke Kelly and the Dubliners. Um, and that's a completely, it's a completely different genre, but it still calls on the same skills and the same know-how in terms of, of songwriting. And, and despite the fact it was calling on the same skills, I mean, was the process always the same? Or the length of the process, for example, did it take the same amount of time to write Congratulations as it took to write The Town I Love So Well? Absolutely not. They're two very good examples, Kieran. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I tell you the story about that. Having won the Eurovision 1967, again, Eurovision time came around in 1968. And our, our publisher said, right, off you go. Um, uh, we, need, we, need, uh, we need a few songs. and we need, we need to enter this Eurovision song contest again. So we, we went back, um, back to the piano, wrote a song, which I was convinced was going to be the winner, a song which rocketed into obscurity. It was never heard again. It's so called My Magic Music Box. And I had a little music box. And mm. I thought, this is a dead winner. I played it to my publisher. He said, yeah, it's not bad, Coulter, but we need more than that because, you know, we're doing a, we're laying out quite a bit of money for this demo session. So we need to come up with something else. Now, the demo session was like 48 hours later. So I went to the piano, knocked out a tune in like maybe half an hour, an hour max. Yeah. At home that night, I thought, no, I need to put a lyric. The tune was da 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 da. Now, if you imagine any other of of a hundred titles to that da 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 da, I think I love you. Do you remember? I can't forget you. All of those titles would have made that song disappear without trace. Mm. What made it work was that I I thought five notes. I wonder is there a word with five syllables that's going to fit. And when I went through my little rhyming dictionary, bingo, congratulations. And that wrote itself. Once I came up with the title, that song wrote itself. And then compare that to The Town I Love So Well, the process there. The other, completely the other end of the scale. Completely the other end of the scale. For a start off, that was a song which was really not geared to the charts. That was a song which, against all of my, my Tin Pan Alley training, that was not a song that I was trying to write a hit song that was a song that was motivated by something completely different. Mm. I was, I was, I, I happened to be in Derry, a visiting family, on the weekend that internment was introduced, um, and I was horrified, as were all, my, all everyone else who lived in the town. We just felt that we'd been violated. So, as a knee-jerk reaction, I wrote an anti-internment song called "Free the People." It was a hit for the Dubliners within a few weeks, but it was not a great song. It was a knee-jerk reaction, and it was anti. The very fact that it was anti-anything tells you about the about the content. Mm. But it got my head into that space and got me thinking about the situation in the north of Ireland, and particularly in my hometown. So over the months that followed and going back to visits and, and sensing this pall of gloom that hung over the town, people with, with slumped shoulders and just like an air of resignation, I thought, this is historic, what's happening in my town. It should be chronicled in a song. So I said about that again. I wrote the melody probably within a couple of weeks, but now the hard part. How do you write a song that 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 that, that tries to that kind of chronicle and put into historical context what's happening in the north of Ireland? And that that was like fifty years ago. So the choice of words was critically important because a few wrong chosen words would have just tilted that over. And it would have turned it into a, a rebel song. And Christ knows the last thing we need is another rebel song. And especially back then, we certainly didn't need any more. So the choice of words was critical. That took months. I kept going back to the song, mm. tweaking it, 
putting putting a line through songs until I was content that I that I, the, the song was saying what I wanted to say, which was to be a love song about my time, a song which decried violence from whatever source, be it from paramilitaries, the British Army, whatever it might be, which was a big ask. And I, I actually, it wasn't until I played the song to Luke Kelly that I that I realized that I had actually hit the mark that this song had had. Uh, had had pulled off what I was trying to pull off. Well, listen, Phil, when people are passionate about their craft, I could listen to them talk about it all day long, and you're absolutely in that category. But I I do want to mention, uh, you're going on tour, a new tour starting tomorrow, is that right? I am indeed, Kieran. I'm I'm starting tomorrow in uh, in Waterford and I'm going through right until the 19th of December. Every every uh, every one of the 26 counties, I think, and we're playing the National Concert Hall in Dublin on the on the 27th of November. Yeah, it's called uh, Phil Coulter at 80, which means I can't lie about my age. <laughs> Well, listen, if people uh, are interested, I'm sure lots of people listening will be philcoulter.com. You can find out where there might still be uh, tickets available. Phil, it has been an absolute pleasure and the best of luck uh, with the tour uh, starting in Watford, as he says, tomorrow night, Phil Coulter at 80. And I hope we talk again uh, soon. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.